Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello, I'm you, McDear, and welcome to our La Liga Lowdown Match Day 6 recap. On a Friday, that's because we had a midweek round and we've got contributors from across Spain coming up to tell you about the matches they went to in their little corner of the world. I did briefly consider scrapping all of that to make this a half-hour ode to Odegaard, in particular to that one Odegaard pass for Real Sociedad's opener in their 3-0 win over Alaves. Did away, lovely stuff from Odegaard here as he megs his marker, through ball, nicely delivered for Oyer. What a goal, constructed by Odegaard, finished by the captain, and it's Mikel Oyarzabal who puts La Real in front. The Norwegian was amazing, not just a man of the match performance, but a man of the round performance, I think, as he took Real Sofidad past Alaves and to second place in the table. And to label a man of the round is quite a statement because we saw lots of great performances across the Liga. So let's get into another one of them just now. Let's begin by talking about Real Betis and Joaquin, who was similarly impressive with a hat-trick of assists as they came from behind to defeat Levante 3-1. And let's do so with David Whitworth, a Seville-based journalist who can be heard on Radio Betis. So David, Real Betis came from behind to win this game against Levante. Was this their best performance so far this season? Absolutely. No no doubt about it. It, it could be a, a turning point already in our season. I know this, the season's only just begun, but especially Lauren's goal, our striker, just before half-time when we were losing, to get the draw and then to get the win, uh, it's an absolute crucial moment in our in our uh, season already, uh, when potentially we could look back at this season. Um, it seemed to just click for Betis. Uh, that's how I saw it. And uh, yeah, absolutely. It was the best result of the season so far. The fact that it was a, a comeback victory, how important is that for the confidence of the team? Absolutely massive. Absolutely massive. Um, there's quality there, no doubt. We've spent a lot of money this season. Um, but, I mean, we've, we've signed some really quality players. The problem is, for me, it's like a big jigsaw puzzle. Uh, we haven't seen those pieces come together. We only just saw that in our last game against Levante, and it did seem to come together. So, for me, that's what we need to show. Now they've shown it. We need to get that more often and just tighten up at the back as well. 
however, saying that, the confidence, as you say rightly, is absolutely key. Um, showed a lot of fighting spirit once again to come back. Um, we've collected seven points from losing positions, uh, including when we was losing uh, against Getafe, came back to draw 1-1, and we had two men sent off, albeit one of them was right at the end, but still, with nine men, we still managed to get a point. So, from that point of view, showing a lot of resolve and tenacity, it shows that the players can go behind in games. Obviously, we don't want to, but it shows that if we have to roll our sleeves up, then we absolutely can. Obviously, Joaquin was brilliant in this one with his hat-trick of assists. What is his role in the squad? He's obviously the captain, the leader, shareholder and everything. But in terms of <laughs> his role as a, a player in this squad for Ruby, what do you expect from him this season? Well, he's the evergreen Joaquin. I mean, 30, 38 years young he is. Uh, just recently made his 309th appearance for us, which is now officially a record. He's the most for a Betis outfield player in La Liga. Uh, like you say, a hat-trick of assists. He really defies logic uh, for his 38 years. He's still a certainty. I mean, for me, I thought he's going to be a bit of a bit part player this year. He's going into his last year of his contract, but already there's talk of him getting a new contract. But um, no, he's he's he shows that he's got the staying power towards the end of games. He's a definite starter. I thought he maybe, like I said, a bit part player, uh, comes off the bench a few times. But no, at the moment, he's showing the, the form of his life. Obviously, he's not that tricky, well, fast winger that he used to be, but he's changed over time. And, and like every good player, when he gets older has that mentality to know exactly where he needs to be on the field and tactically and positional-wise, it shows that he can go on. And the the way that we play, certainly with Kike Setien as well the last couple of seasons, he loves this style of football. And it shows because he's still very much youthful and still still very much a threat for, uh, for rival teams. And yeah, absolutely. Um, he's like the fine wine. And um, what about Nabil Fekir, a younger player, but the star signing of the summer. He's out of injury just now, but how had he been fitting in? Well, it's a fantastic signing for Betty. He's a World Cup winner, of course, with France last year. And I must say, he slotted in right away. Uh, of all places, he scored his opening goal against Barcelona in the camp now with a great, great quality finish. He's made an instant impact, um, instant impression from the fans. He's got a lot of trickery, as we know. The only thing that he needs to do is he just needs to get more involved with the play. I see him times appearing and he does some fantastic, outrageous skills, but he needs to get more involved. But I think that's for the team as well, to give him the ammunition, to give him the service, to get to put him in the right positions. But I think him himself, he needs to up his game in that respect. But he's into a new league. It's a new culture, new language, and it will come because he's a proven winner. He was fantastic at Lyon. Like I said, a World Cup winner. Regular with the French team, He's, he made two assists recently, just coming off the bench in the last few minutes. So the guy has got quality, it's no doubt. Just needs to just involve himself a little bit more in the team. It's a shame he's out at the minute in an injury uh, with an injury to his leg, a leg muscle injury. Uh, just awaiting his return at the moment, but uh, he's already made a, a flying start to his Betis career, that's for sure. Let's head away from the Spanish mainland now and over to Mallorca, where La Liga Lodens' Alex Fitzpatrick went to see Real Mallorca against Atletico Madrid. It was a fairly comfortable win for Atleti as he scored goals in either half through Diego Costa and Joao Felix, although Alvaro Morata's red card caused him some concern in the second half. Plus, Japanese youngster Takifusa Kubo almost scored only to be denied by a combination of Jano Black and the post. So Alex, firstly I want to ask about the atmosphere at Somos for the visit of Atletico, the first of the real La Liga giants to visit the newly promoted side. 
The atmosphere was actually initially quite subdued. The uh, the ground at kickoff was probably only about half full, despite being a sellout. It was a seven o'clock kickoff. The traffic was terrible, with thousands of fans still outside the ground when the game began, and therefore it was a subdued start off the pitch and on it for Mallorca. As time went on, the ground slowly filled and the atmosphere grew. And in the second half, Mallorca really came out and, and went for Atleti. And as a result, the atmosphere reached fever pitch with Mallorca playing at a higher intensity, culminating with the atmosphere hitting the roof with the red card for Morata. Unfortunately, the players weren't able to give the crowd a little bit more to cheer by way of quality goal scoring opportunities. It was quite comfortable for Atletico in the end, wasn't it? Yes, unfortunately, very comfortable for Atletico in the end from a Mallorca perspective. Quite disappointing, really. Um, first half, they were standing off. They gave Atletico too much respect. And in those 40, first 45 minutes, it wouldn't have been unfair had Atletico gone in three or four goals up at the break. In the second half, Mallorca battled more, but largely, other than an opportunity for Kubo right at the beginning of the half and a header from Chisco Campos, they failed to lay a glove on Atletico Madrid, uh, even when they were down to 10 men after the sending off of Morata. And what about Kubo? This was his first start after some impressive showings off the bench. How did he do? Kubo very much grew into the game. He wasn't helped in the first half by the style that Mallorca decided to play with. He was playing very deep as they sat in and tried to absorb pressure. He impressed though with his quality across the game and his confidence on the ball, creating openings for others and retained possession particularly well. His excellent work down the right-hand side almost got its reward with a goal right at the beginning of the second half. But his partner down that side, Juan Sastre, had one of his worst performances in a Mallorca shirt for a while. When the two of them develop an understanding, it'll bring much needed teeth to Mallorca's attacking play. Vinicius Junior, Vinicius, que golaço do brasileiro Vinicius Junior! Lá vem ele, Rodrigo, 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 Rodrigo! It was a Brazilian night at the Bernabeu as Vinicius and Rodrigo scored in a 2-0 win for Real Madrid over Osasuna. So we had to go with some ESPN Brazil commentary to get a flavour of this one. Sam Leverage experienced it in person as we had a La Liga lowdown contributor to every one of Wednesday night's matches. So many talking points from this one, Sam. But let's start with the two Brazilians. How cool was it to see Vinicius and Rodrigo both score? Yeah, it was an assured performance from Real Madrid, but it was the Brazilians who really stood out and got them the win in the end. It was clearly an important moment for Vinicius Junior. He hasn't had the start to the season he was hoping for or since Zidane came in as manager, really. He was always one of the first names on the team sheet under Solari. But under Zidane, he hasn't had that privilege because of injury last season. And then this season, he hasn't been on the first, one of the first choices. So it was a big night for him. And, and he proved his point with his goal with a, a slight deflection, but it was a good finish from him anyway. You could see he was in tears on the pitch celebrating his goal. So a really important moment for him and for Rodrigo as well on his debut. And what about that Rodrigo goal? The first touch, the dribble, the finish. Amazing. And on his debut as well, it was a brilliant goal. And he really impressed the fans. There were a lot of fans talking about the potential he has and, and how far he could go. It was the fastest debut goal in La Liga since Ronaldo, the Brazilian Ronaldo, in 2002. He scored after 62 seconds and it took Rodrigo 93. 
Let's talk about another Brazilian who I think had a quietly brilliant performance, Eder Militao. How did you rate his display at centre-back? Yeah, Militao was kind of the third aspect of it from the Brazilian teammates at Real Madrid. I would say that he was probably the least impressive of the three, and, and that was mainly because of how he started off the game. He was playing a few long passes and things that weren't coming off, that were going out of play, and there were even a couple of times that there were a few whistles and, and fans were a bit nervy when he got on the ball. But after that, he settled in quite quickly, and he was really solid. Osasuna didn't pose too much of a threat. They were very much looking to get there on the counter and, and play long balls over the top, and that suited Militao really he was he was quick and he was quite composed after that initial those initial nerves it's the Madrid derby against Atletico at the Wanda Metropolitano next how do you think Zidane will approach this game definitely the lineup that Zinedine Zidane chose was one which really only had three of the of the strongest 11 that he could choose at the weekend I think that the weekend will see a very different approach. I think that he'll look to be a bit more offensive. He'll look to rely on some of his star players, like likes of Hazard and, and Bale, Benzema, that were all left out. And I think that that will be interesting to see how they do against Atleti. There's plenty of pressure on that game. Even though we're already only early on in the season, there's already a lot of pressure on Atletico that if they can't keep up now after the few disappointing results that they've had, then they might start to be concerned about whether they can keep up with Real Madrid in this title race. With the start that Barcelona have had as well, I think Real Madrid fans will be feeling very optimistic if they can come away with the three points from the Estadio Metropolitano. Well, that's us covered five of the ten matches of this midweek round. We'll be back to discuss the other five games after this short pause. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. (laughs) 
Hello, I'm you, Mitty, and welcome back to this La Liga Loading podcast coming out to you on a Friday after our midweek round of fixtures in La Liga. The round got underway on Tuesday night when Real Valladolid hosted Granada. Valladolid took the lead in that one through Oscar Plano, but Granada improved as the game went on and showed exactly why they've been impressing so many people so far this season. Carlos Fernandez got them back into the game to make it a 1-1 draw and to make it four matches undefeated for the Andalusian side, who now sit fifth. Another of Tuesday's matches saw Barcelona take on Villarreal at the Camp Nou. Lionel Messi got his first start of the season, although he did then suffer another injury setback. But he made an impact during his time on the pitch, setting up Griezmann from a corner for the opener just six minutes in before Artur smashed one in shortly afterwards. Santi Cazorla did what Santi Cazorla does by producing some magic to bring Villarreal back into it, but it wasn't enough. It finished 2-1 to Barcelona, and now we talk to Roman de Arker about this game. It was another home victory for Barcelona as well, a 13th home one in a row. But Roman, how much does their waveform take away from the achievements at the Camp Nou? Well, I mean, winning at home and playing well is fantastic, but we need this to go on further. We need to be consistent in this uh, style of play, in this good football. So, I mean, not only winning at the Camp Nou is enough. If we want that La Liga title, we have to win away. So it's about time that Valverde finds a solution to this and gets the team motivated enough to play at a high level away from home in the tough stadiums. Then Barca will be an actual threat. Messi was back, but now he's on the injury report again. How concerned are you about Messi's fitness? Do you stay up at night thinking about Messi's leg muscles? Well, I had a scary thought, actually. And it was, imagine that Messi gets into a spiral of injuries and just can't stop getting injured and he doesn't find his best form and we'll never see again that amazing Messi we've been seeing all these years. That, for me, would be quite terrifying. But I'm hopeful that Barcelona doctors, which are some of the best out there, will find a way to solve his injury problems and that he'll be back to his best as soon as possible. But Barcelona do have Ansu Fati. We've spoken about him before. But let's do so again. He's he's more than a 16-year-old who happened to score a goal and set one record. He's just simply a really good footballer. Ansu Fati is just an incredible player. At the beginning, it seemed like he would just be playing a few games with Barcelona, then probably go back to play with a younger youth squad from Barca. But it's not happening because he's playing so well that Barca actually need him right now. He has to be on the field. And when he came on against Villarreal, he changed the game completely for those minutes he was on. So, I mean, Ansu Fati doesn't feel the pressure, doesn't care about anything, just cares about playing good football, doing his best and proving to the world that he's a great player for now and for the future. Ansu Fati now has his Spanish paperwork through and it looks like he could go with Spain to the Under-17 World Cup. How good or maybe even problematic would that be for his development? It's a good question. I wouldn't go as far as saying problematic, but it is going to break that dynamic he has with the first team, which is really good for him. He's playing at the highest level right now with the best players in the world in one of the best leagues. So, I mean, going from that to playing with uh, under-17s maybe isn't great. He is going to get lots of minutes. He is going to learn. He's going to improve. But I think it's not the best decision for him right now. And what about Luis Suarez? Not happy to be subbed off and even whistled at the Camp Nou. Well, I mean, Luis Suarez is not at his best moment and he has to understand that there's other players with a lot of hunger, with a lot of talent, 
who can do things better at some point of the game. For example, against Villarreal, I think Valverde was brave enough to take Luis Suarez off. Maybe a bit too late in my opinion, but he did, which was good. And when Ansu Fati came on for him, he was much better and offered a lot of attacking positions. So I think Luis Suarez just has to get used to this and has to understand he's not the Luis Suarez we saw two, three years ago. So it's normal and he's just gonna have to deal with it. There was the sound of the ecstatic Axel Viano, the man behind the mic at Eibar's Ipirua Stadium. Eibar were down 2-0 against Sevilla on Thursday night but pulled off a second half comeback to win 3-2 with Jose Angel scoring the late winner with a free kick to send Axel and all the Eibar fans wild with delight. Coach Jose Luis Mendilibar said that this win is worth more to Eibar than just three points and I think he's right. Their trajectory to start the season hadn't been great but this will give them renewed confidence I'm going to see Ibar for the first time this season on Sunday and I really can't wait. And of course I'll tell you all about that bass trip in Monday's podcast. But for now, let's head back to the city of Seville and this time speak to La Liga Lowdown contributor Gregor Spell about the severe reaction to their second defeat in a row. Hi Gregor, so I was really interested to see how Sevilla would react to their first defeat of the season last weekend against Real Madrid, but... I'm not really sure how to analyse what happened just there in Ibar. They started so well with so much hunger, but then completely collapsed. What did you make of their response? It's a bit of a strange one. Uh, it's the definition of a game of two halves. Going into half time, um, so comfortable, having played so well in the first half. I think they probably thought they had the game won. I dare say they had one eye on the fixture at the weekend against Real Sociedad. But I mean, they should have they should have known that Ipuro is not an easy place to go, so it's very disappointing. Julian Lopetegui admitted he was really concerned by this comeback defeat. Are you worried about Sevilla? Eh, no, I'm not too concerned. I mean, for me, I feel like they've done enough so far this season. I mean, uh, on Sunday in the game against Madrid, I felt like they were in the game. For most of it, they matched Madrid for large parts of that game. And, you know, we have to remember that this is a team that's had a huge overhaul in the summer. The second half, they took their foot off the gas and it cost them. Um, but hopefully that's a lesson that they can learn from going forward. Estadio Deportivo, the local newspaper, said that Sevilla have now entered a crisis. Is that a bit harsh or is that fair? Well, I think that's a bit of an overreaction, um, especially this early on in the season. But having said that, Lopetegui was visibly angry after, after the third goal went in. He vented his frustration towards the goalkeeping coach. He also had Juan Jordan coming off as a sub, frustrated, throwing a water bottle, being booked for it. You know, I hope these aren't signs of cracks starting to appear in the Sibia camp, especially this this early on in the season. Now let's talk to Paco Bola about a crazy back and forth match between Valencia and Tatafi, everyone's favourite new rivalry. After Jaime Mata scored in the first minute, Valencia got three in the space of nine minutes before halftime. Two for Maxi Gomez, as well as Lee Kang In's first senior goal for the club. But Jason scored against the club he's on loan from, and Angel Rodriguez added another 
in the second half to make it a free-free draw. So, Paco, firstly, what was it like for Atafi to come back to Mestalla after the drama and tension of last season's matches between the teams? Well, Ewan, we expected a partido caliente and we got exactly that, especially in the first half. Very tough challenges, a couple of brawls between players and you have to add the fact that the Mestalla crowd are still unhappy about the way Marcelino was sacked and the way the management has behaved lately and, well, it wasn't a pretty game. But sure, it was a very, very interesting night at Mestalla's ground. Maybe the quality of the game itself wasn't top class, but sure, the neutral fans enjoyed how it went down and the impressive final score. This was a strange game, wasn't it? With the back and forth nature of it. What emotions were you going through watching it? Um, saying that any fan in the stands went through the whole spectrum of emotions would actually be accurate. Um, let's set the record straight. Valencia fans, at least a big chunk of them, are very angry because of how things have been handled this summer. How Marcelino was sacked and how Mateo Alemán, the CEO, might soon follow. Then, once the game began, the mood evolved into utter shock after that Getafe first minute goal and then discomfort, desperation and a sudden burst of joy when the team leveled and then scored the second one the third goal again fans got worried with the 3-2 scored by Jason they couldn't believe the 3-3 and later were outraged with the Lades failing to spot players who were injured finally a blast of disbelief with that Cucurella clear handball late in the game as I said a wide wide range of emotions no wins yet in La Liga for Albert Salades. How much pressure is he under? Obviously a lot. And half of it isn't even his fault. Again, I don't want to repeat myself, but the lack of a reasonable and public explanation by Valencia's board regarding Marcelino's sacking has left fans wondering just why Celades was picked as his replacement. Again, not his fault, not Celades' fault, but he's suffering the aftermath. Celades has tried switching Marcelino's classic 4-4-2 to a more modern and offensive 4-3-3, but to date, it only worked in London against Chelsea. Three games only two points out of nine and a lot of injuries in just a few days. Gaya, Gameiro, Condogbia, all of them out. I definitely wouldn't like to be in his shoes. It doesn't get much easier for Valencia. They go to Bilbao next to take on Athletic Club who haven't lost at San Mames since last October. Are you worried, Paco? Well, I am not, but I am. Um, it's complicated. I, I know Valencia's squad will fight to the end because that's the resilient spirit that allowed them to become Copa champions in May. But at the same time, something has just broken inside the club. Something bigger, which transcends the players, the playstyles and the attitude. There's simply nothing left from what allowed Valencia to thrive four months ago. The magic is gone, you could say that. And obviously the results are not to blame, the new manager is not to blame, the players are not to blame and the fans obviously are not to blame. I'll let you put two and two together. This season is going to be very, very tough for Valencia and their fan base. The match I went to see this midweek was Leganes against Athletic Club de Bobal. It was La Liga's bottom place side against the top place side and it finished 1-1, which was a fairly fair result in my view. Raul Garcia put the bass ahead from the penalty spot, but just a couple of minutes later, Oscar Rodriguez levelled with a free kick, helped by some improvable goalkeeping. 
This was a good result for Leganes, even if they still sit bottom of the table, but Athletic Club have to be concerned about their waveform. We spoke with Paco about how strong they are at home and about the test that Valencia faced this weekend as they go to San Mames where Barcelona, Real Sociedad and Alaves have already been conquered this season. But away from home, Athletic have now drawn all three of their matches so far. Winning away is difficult, is what coach Guy Scagaritano said afterwards. If we won all our home matches and all our away matches, then we'd be Manchester City, he added. And Athletic Club are not Manchester City, in fact. They're probably two of the most different clubs in European football. Athletic do their thing, and at San Mamis they do it very well. A few points here and there on the road will probably suffice for them in their quest to return to Europe, but they would like that first away win soon. So, Real Madrid are top of the table now, having pulled away from Athletic Club. Leganes remain bottom with two points, two fewer than Mallorca and four fewer than Espanyol, the other team in the relegation zone at this early stage. Espanyol were winning in their match at Celta Vigo, but a last-minute Santamina goal made that a 1-1 draw. Another disappointing result for the Catalan club. Well, that's all we've got time for in this Matchday 6 recap. So thanks to all this week's contributors, there is no rest in La Liga as Matchday 7 starts this Friday night with Villarreal against Real Betis. We'll be back with our next recap podcast that will come out on Monday. Until then, thank you for listening and enjoy the weekend's football.